0: Dear Lord, I thank you for this day, Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would guide the words of my mouth, the meditations of my heart, that each one gathered here today would receive what you have for us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, we have talked about a bunch of new that God creates, and today we're talking about how it all comes together to... in. in Next week and today are going to overlap a little bit, but we're going to talk about a new life that we have. When we get a new heart and a new spirit that has come to us by the new covenant, um, and Jesus gives us a new commandment, then in that we receive a whole new life. And we're going to talk about that today and see what that looks like, what it doesn't look like, and how we can live into that. Our scripture today comes out of Romans chapter 6, beginning in verse 1 through 11. Listen for the word of the Lord. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we have been united with him in in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him And that the body ruled by sin might, so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with. That we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once and for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. This is the word of God for the people of God. So I hope that you hear a lot of the things that we've been talking about in that scripture. Because that's a summary scripture of what we do when we um, receive Christ. And oftentimes in baptism, that's what baptism represents when we talk about immersion. Now, as Methodists, we do all kinds, but immersion gives us that imagery of being dead and buried with the old self and being raised again to new life. And that's what we receive as Christians when we come to Christ, a new life, a, as we shared with the kids, a do-over, Um, And that is the new life, the second chance that we all get. Because we've all, as we've talked about, we have all been separated from God. We've all sinned. We all fall short of the glory of God. And we're in the process of being redeemed by God. I've given you imagery of an ember that is separated from the fire. And if it's left to itself, that ember will die out unless it is reconnected to the source, to the fire. And that's us. We are born, and there is a, an image, a, a remnant left in us of our Creator. And um, we have a chance in Christ to be reconnected to the source of life, the source of that fire that burns within us. And that's what we talk about when we have this new life. And that's what it is. That's what it is when we come to church, when we talk about um, being a Christian and living in a new life and being forgiven of our sins and, and being, uh, having received grace and having received mercy, having been filled and reborn by the Holy Spirit. Now, that's, that's, that's big stuff. And yet, oftentimes, we treat living this new life as if it's just another thing on our agenda, another to-do list, instead of the primary foundation of who we are and in our lives. And when we ever make that step to, I'm not just church or being a Christian is not just something I'm going to do, but it's who I am. When we make that transition, we're not, might not going to be perfect, but we are going to live differently and we're going to be able to start experiencing living that new life. So what does a new life in Christ look like? If that's our goal, we need to know what it looks like. Well, first of all, and hopefully this would have been one of your answers, first of all, it is we no longer live for ourselves. See, the way of the world is that we put ourselves first. We get ours. We look out for number one. That's the way of the world, that we live to take care, to protect ourselves, But the new life in Christ, everything changes, and we are no longer about ourselves. There's an old Eddie Murphy skit where he's talking about um, his dad, and his dad would come. Do y'all, yeah, you guys know who Eddie Murphy is. That's how old I'm getting. There's, I'm like, if I gave this example to the youth, it'd be like, who? Uh, But in one of his comedy bits, he talks about his dad, and how he had come home and his dad got the big piece of chicken, right? Because his dad was the bread earner, he was the head of the house, and he got the big piece of chicken. Well, that is the way of the world, right? If you're the king, if you're the head, then you get the most. You get your choice. You get what you want. Jesus tells his disciples in in Mark 10, that's not the way here. He said... In the world, people lord their power over people. He said, for me and my kingdom, I came not to be served, even though he was worthy, the only one worthy, but I came to serve. Right? In, in the world, we look out, we want the big piece of chicken. We want the last piece of pizza. You know, you fight. I, I, I do little subtle things. I'll look when we're at youth or, or kids and see uh, where they kind of are and who's fighting over the last piece of whatever. And who's going, oh, that's all right, you can have it. I mean, those are very mundane, simple examples, but that's what it means we no longer looking out for ourselves over others you know nobody we experience this most of all probably when we have children they're like oh wow things have changed when you're holding that child that baby i can't be irresponsible i can't, I can't live for myself anymore I have to take care of this child. And you come to a point of a love that you would do anything for that child. You would give up anything for that child. That's how God loves us. He gave his life. He gave his son. Whatever way way it makes it real to us that he gave everything for us. He showed and displayed the selfless love, the greatest love, Jesus gave his life, his being, for us. So when we begin to live this new life, it is no longer just about us. And if we're growing in this life, we become less and less selfish and more and more selfless for our entire lives. That's the goal to die completely to self. So it's no longer about you. If we're living into this new life, if, if, if we're still all about us, then that's a red flag that maybe we're stuck in the old. And what, another um, way we know that we're living in this new life is our values begin to change. And our values are different than the world's. When, it, when you come to the Lord later in your life or in, like in your 20s like I did or later, that's easier to see. Maybe if you've grown up, you, you can see that you, what you value is different from the world. Uh, somebody like me, I can see what I valued before, it's the before and after. What I befa- valued before was everything about the world. What I value now is totally different. And it has nothing to do with the things of the world, with power, fame, money, accolades. So your values change. I was watching a couple things that stuck out at me. One of them, I was watching this news station, and they were talking about Jeff Bezos' new yacht. Did anybody see that? Half a billion dollars for a new yacht. And I just can't wrap my mind around that. When you think about all the good, all the suffering that's in the world, and that's what someone can decide to do with their money. Now, I'm not being self-righteous. I thank God. God was never going to let me win the lotto, so I don't play. Because he knows I would just be like anybody else. I would be ruined, probably. Right? So I thank God that I'm a Methodist pastor. I will always be humble. But uh, there's truth to that. There's truth to that. I see, look back and see why God said, no, no, you're not gonna do that. If I would have gone down a certain path, I would have been just as narcissistic and and probably self-absorbed and and enamored with things as anybody else. I'm human. But I can sit back and I can just look and say, how can people, when there's so much suffering and need in the world, how can you spend money on that? And then I saw another uh, magazine story. It was about a football coach. So, of course, I, 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 my ears perked up. And it was an amazing story and really hits home on the Super Bowl Sunday when we talk about football and the fame and the, uh, the money and all that goes into Super Bowl, the grandeur of it. I'm, I'm a football purist, so the Super Bowl is almost all the stuff around. It's almost too much for me. I want to watch the sport, not the concerts, not the commercials, not the, you know, and I know other people are the other way, but in honor of football, this guy's name is Max Stevens. He's a, he's a high school football coach at Cleveland Heights High School in Ohio. And he is all about, his values as a football coach is about changing kids' lives. He, he believes that if you want to do big things in life, you have to do the small things in life. And so he's worried about their grades. He's worried he gets involved in their relationships if they're not treating a girl right. And he said, and they were, as they were talking, he said, that when he went to his interview with the committee and then the principal and then the athletic director, he said, I said the same thing. If you're hiring me to win state championships, you have the wrong guy. If you're hiring me to change young men's lives, then I can do that. The, The amazing thing about that story is that he got hired in our world today. Well, he's obviously not from Texas, right? That would have been the shortest interview in it, but that's what we need, That's those changes of values, people before events, people before issues. His values are different from the world's, and I think he has a pretty successful program. He produces some top athletes, and he made an example, he goes, I have one kid that's uh, graduating from Ohio State is probably going to make it in the NFL. I have another one who didn't make it in college football, but he's graduating from Ohio State and is going to get a good job. We need more of that in this world. Because when your values change, your priorities change. So this coach has a different priority. He checks up on their uh, personal life he cares about what they did on their test. He, he cares about how they're acting, about their character. He's de- developing character. He loves them. You know, if your values are state championships, and I know this because I had a son that played college football and played, um, his claim to fame is that his first, well, it's too long of a story. I'll just tell you. His last football game in high school was in Dallas Cowboy Stadium against Kyler Murray. I don't need to tell you who won that game. (laughs) They were with Allen. He had a a good game. He had a good game. But I I know Texas high school football. If your value is to win state championships, then your priorities guide your behavior. And these are all the things that I have either seen or heard. You recruit players out of other high schools. You pay players in high school. You give parents of high school players jobs. You fix grades. You supplement coaches' salary by uh, exorbitant speaker fees. They'll come talk to a men's group and you'll give them $10,000. All of that stuff happens in high school football because their, their value is purely materialistic state championship. Then care what that does to their priorities. If you're living this new life this new life in Christ you won't be living it for yourself it'll be selfless your values will be different than the world and your priorities will change. So How do we live into this new life? There's a lot of us that say, hey man, I want to live in this new life, but it's tough. I don't know how to do this. Why is it it such a struggle? Well, one reason is because it's not going to be done by your will. We can't live and follow a law that is spiritual if we're in the flesh and we're natural. We can't do it By our will or by our willpower. Let me take a little test here. See how strong your will. Anybody here makes make New Year's resolutions? Oh, okay. You gave up a long time ago, didn't you? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. I told you. But try to to to. At some point, our will is limited. It might get us so far, but it can't get us all the way. It will fail us at some point because we are only human. Paul, we hear the frustration in Paul's voice when he goes, all the things I want to do, the right things, I want to live into this new life, but all those things I don't do and all the things I don't want to do in the old life, all those things I keep on doing. Paul's frustrated trying to live into this new person, into this new life. If, do anybody here get that frustration? Oh, you guys got it figured out. Why am I preaching to you? How do we do this? Live, how do we live this life? Not by our own will, not by our own power. Because think about it. We can do it for a while, but do we get angry? Do we get jealous? Do we covet? Do we gossip? Do we um, have trouble forgiving other people? The answer to all of those at some level is yes. And if we could do it on our own, we would. As we've heard and we've learned in the Old Testament, we learned that we can't follow the law. We can't do it by our own will. Our will is corrupt in its nature. And so how must we live this new life? We must live it in Christ. And how do we live it in Christ? It's one thing to say, live your new life fully in Christ. And this is stuff we've already talked about. First, we live it in Christ by living in the Spirit. Because we can't do it on our own own will, in our own spirit. We have to be united with Christ. Remember, I don't know if I said this on a Wednesday or a Sunday, but Jesus' sacrifice and death was good for him. But if we don't have a way of being united with him, that sacrifice becomes our sacrifice and we're dead and buried to the old person and we're raised up in the new person. If we don't have some way to be uh, involved in that, then it's just good news for Jesus. It's not good news for us. How it becomes good news for us, go back to the sermon about the new spirit, is because we receive the spirit of Christ, we are reborn in the spirit and the Holy Spirit unites us with Christ in his death So his death becomes our death. It unites us in his resurrection. So his resurrection and new life becomes our life. And so we can't do it. We do it by living in the spirit, being born of the spirit. And so how do we keep the spirit strong? I hope this is review for y'all. How do we keep the spirit strong in our lives? By living fully in the means of grace lessening the world and increasing our time in the means of grace. That's how we live in the Spirit. Jesus, God tells you, I will meet you in Scripture. I will meet you in prayer. I will meet you in the body of Christ. I will meet you in service. So God tells us, you have to say that. You know, we've been talking about the walk to Emmaus a lot. And it's not just a walk to Emmaus. It could be a kairos. It could be a mission trip. It could be any mountaintop experience. But I'll just use the walk to Emmaus. And when you're a pilgrim and you go to the walk to Emmaus, it's a you, talk, you have five talks. You sit at a table. And, and you're living fully in the means of grace. It's all based on Scripture. It's in prayer. Um, you're in a fellowship with the body of Christ. Uh, people are serving you. It's three days of lessening the stepping out of the world and living fully every hour of the day in the means of grace. And guess what happens? Jesus shows up and the spirit is strong and people are blessed. And they go, wow, this stuff really works. But the problem is during that weekend, you have uh, 80, hundreds of people Praying for you, doing all kinds of stuff, hundreds of people that are doing everything so you are immersed in the means of grace so that your fire is lit. And it, oh, 99% of the time, your fire is lit when you come back. But the problem comes when you come back because. People were making sure your fire was lit. When you come back, you're responsible for it. You're responsible for living in the spirit. You're responsible for um, uh, living in the means of grace in your life. We can't do it for you. You know, nothing frustrates a pastor more when someone comes up to him and says, Oh, I feel disconnected, and I don't feel God's presence in my life, and I just don't know what to do. You're like, okay, how's your Bible reading going? Well, I haven't been, uh, how's church going? I don't know, I haven't been in three months. How's, uh, yeah, you know, you know the quiz. And I go, all right, you see a correlation here? You see a connection? Try it and see. So that's the thing. Church is supposed to provide these opportunities to live into the means of grace but we can't make you do them we can't make you be devoted to them trust me i know it will work if you do it because i know when i don't do it i feel distant from god i feel trouble in my spirit is not at peace when i do do it guess what i feel god's presence I feel a peace that goes beyond current circumstances. I feel connection, and I look at others with compassion and patience and love and joy. It, it, I love, a joy of mine is to see somebody that has struggled, and they begin to try it, and they have this look in their eyes like, wow, this stuff really works. But it works because God is faithful. God is good. God is righteous. God has never broken a promise to us, and he promises to be with us always. He promises to fill us, to give us a new life. We just have to live into it. Real quick, so why do we struggle so much? because we don't want to die to the old self. Remember the jerk reference I made, the movie, right? We say, God, I give you my whole life. We might have that mountaintop experience, and we're totally humble and vulnerable, and we say, God, I give you my whole life. And then as time goes on, we go, oh, but that, remember, I want that, that's okay, I want to keep that. Uh, or this, I've really kind of grown used to this. I've been doing it since I was in high school and, and you know. And so we, we, we don't, we have trouble letting go of the old. It's like having a coat. A, a coat, I've had sweatshirts that have holes in them that are too small because I've washed them too much. And so they're tight and they have holes. They don't keep me dry. They don't keep me warm. They don't look good, but I love that sweatshirt and I don't want to give it up, right? We get used to being unhealthy in our spirits. We get used to turmoil in our lives. We get used to the drama. And when we don't have it anymore, we're like, what do I do now? We have trouble imagining what a life in grace really could be. And so we have trouble. We, we hang on to the old even though maybe somewhere in our heart, we know it's not the best for us, that there's something better. And we also have trouble and we struggle because we focus on the old. Maybe we're really trying in our Christian life to not do things or to be better or to do things, but we, when we do that, we're just looking back at the old and we're still living in it. And we're still struggling in it, but you know what that does? That keeps the old present in your life. You know, when you go to 12 step, whether it be like uh, Narcotics Anonymous or Alcoholics Anonymous or Eating Anonymous, one of those kind of groups, right? Those are good, don't get me wrong. Those are good groups, and you need to. But one thing is, at some point, you need to shift from worrying about the old to living into the new, to be blessed. And there's, there's a truth that if you live into the new, the old will fall away. You don't need to focus on the old. The old, If you just focus on the old, that's going to keep you. It's going to keep it present in your life. But if you sit, commit to, I'm going to start going to this group. I'm going to start doing this Bible app. I'm going to start doing it. And you do it consistently, whether you feel like it or not. That's, that's one of the keys. Because on some days, that old self's going to creep in and tell you, I don't feel like it. Tough. Go anyway. God has something for you. And those days that you really don't feel like it, I guarantee you, whatever you're talking about is the day you need to be there the most. That's why we need to be obedient. That's why we need not to go by our feelings. God says, do this and it will be in your benefit and you will be blessed. So live into the old. Paul Paul says in Philippians, He says, now, not that I have already obtained this new life or this goal, this treasure, or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on, taking hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead I press on to the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. So when we're talking about this new life, let's look forward. Let's look forward into the new. Let's live into the new. God will, the old will take care of itself. It will just fade away. But so often we get used to the unhealthy. We get used to the drama. We get used to the old. And it's like that old nasty coat that doesn't do anything, and it's too small, it's uncomfortable. But we're used to it, and so we just live in it. Jesus came and died that you might have life, abundant life, new life. Let's not waste it. Let's not waste it. Ephesians says, take off the old and put on the new. And we help each other to do that when we gather in groups, when we gather for worship, when we're close to one another, when we build relationships. We help each one stay on the course, striving for what's ahead, forgetting what's behind living into the new life Christ has given us. Let us pray. Dear Lord, I thank you for your grace and for your mercy. Thank you for your patience. When you tell me what to do, you show me what to do, you've given me examples of how it blesses my life, and yet I still want to live in the old. Lord, I pray that each one of us will look to the new life and live fully into the new life, trusting your promises, being obedient to your call so that we might be shaped and molded into the people you have called us to be, into the people you have died to give new life for. As we come into communion, Lord, remind us that you have given your body and shed your blood that we might have life abundant and new,